Destination Medicine is a joint project of the regional training hubs. This podcast series brings you medical students' accounts of their experiences in applying to study medicine. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Will Anderson says his father was quite shocked when he announced he was giving up his career as a radiographer to become a doctor. After all, Will had a steady job and had just invested in a house. But he says his lifelong ambition to go into medicine was unfulfilled and that he felt more like a passenger in the healthcare system. So, Will took the plunge and studied hard, mainly in the mornings and on weekends for the GAMSAT. He studied as if he was training for a marathon, slowly building up his exam fitness so that he was in prime condition when exam time arrived. Now, in the first cohort of Sydney University rural trainees in Dubbo, he's convinced that he wants to stay in rural practice. Why? Well, as Will explains, not only does he have access to a major trauma hospital, but to the myriad of benefits and widespread experiences that only a regional practice can provide. Will begins by explaining to Jeff Waters how medicine finally caught up with him. Personally, I always knew that I wanted to be a doctor, but it wasn't probably till uh, when I finished my degree in radiography and was out in the workforce that I really made the choice uh, to go after it and have a go. So what made you choose to become a doctor when you were already a radiographer? I think just working in the health system, I felt myself that I could be doing more and I felt like I was, I was almost a bit of a passenger in the healthcare system. I really wanted to do more and be more involved in the healthcare of the patients. And in my job, I felt that although it was a very important role in imaging, I felt that I wasn't myself doing enough where being a doctor, I could do that. Did you consider any other health professions besides medicine? In all honesty, no. I think once I set my mind on being a doctor, that's all I wanted to do. And I only sat the game sat once in it and applied once and got in. So it's not like I had... If, say, for example, I couldn't get in, then I may have considered different options, but I didn't really have to, fortunately. Well, we'll speak more on GAMSAT in a moment. What was the reaction when you told your parents you were going to switch to becoming a doctor? Well, my dad was horrified because I just went and bought a house here in Dubbo and he was (laughs) absolutely horrified. I thought that I'd have to sell the house or how I'd pay for it. He just couldn't understand why. I'd had a good job and why I wanted to leave. But um, mum thought I was always going to do it. She was supportive the whole time and everyone was keen for me to do it. But yeah, shocked that I'd wanted to leave a good job in a good town and I was enjoying it. It wasn't like I didn't like my job. You know, I was enjoying my job and there was definitely a career there for me and they just said, why? So what was your answer to that question? The main thing was I didn't want to wake up in 15 years' time and regret that I didn't have a go that in 15 years' time, I look back and thought, at least I would have known if I could have done medicine. And it was more that I knew within myself that I wasn't limiting myself in terms of what I could do and my career options. And were your friends supportive as well? Yeah, my friends couldn't really believe it, to be honest. They don't see me as the doctor's type. <laughs> um, not sure why. <laughs> yeah, they 
we're definitely keen on it. Once I put the work in and once I got in and stuff like that and they saw that it was an actual option and it was a, I was actually keen on it, it wasn't just me saying it to them, then they were definitely keen on me doing it. We're very proud of the video. Well, it appears you're becoming the doctor type over time. And speaking of doctor types, did you have a mentor or someone who gave you guidance regarding your career before you were accepted into medicine? Yeah, I think, um, well, my mum, for example, she's done very well in her own field. And one thing she said to me that really stuck home with me that was that she said besides Mondays, she loves to get up and do a job. And she's been doing that now for a very long time and reaching the peak of her field. And I thought, I don't know if I could see myself doing that. And that in a mental role was not more about being in health, but saying, go after your dreams and have a crack at them. In terms of the health side, I knew a few students like Angus McGuinness, who's a, currently a fourth year student in the course I'm in. And I had a chat with him and say, for example, help me with a few GAMSAT resources and my applications and stuff like that. And just how to go about it and how much work I should be doing and stuff like that. All right. So you took a financial risk, you took a professional risk and you jumped with two feet into the GAMSAT was that a difficult process? It was definitely hard to fit in around full-time work because at the time I was trying to learn CT as well, which is um, sort of its own degree in itself at work. So it was, became very difficult. So I found that I couldn't do it after work because I was too tired. So I just went about a routine where I'd get up at half past four every day or four o'clock and do two, three hours before work. And then would do that every day to get a consistent base and then would sit a practice test on the weekend and just did that consistently for three or four months because otherwise it would just get away from me in the afternoons. But it was definitely a um, very tiring time. So, of course, we're talking about the Graduate Australian Medical School Admissions Test. Can you tell us about how the exam is sat and how you prepared for it? So the exam's basically three sections. You've got your first section, which is like your poems and your prose and your like sort of like a comprehension type thing and they ask you questions on like how the poem makes you feel and then essentially you're either right or wrong about that and then section two is you get two questions you get half an hour to write an essay to two questions so for example my question against that was AI is in artificial intelligence and its role in society and um, I wrote about what's the effect of AI going to be on us in the future and I said, although we might be scared about, you know, if AI is going to take control because of what we see in pop culture, the main risk is that it's influence on the working class and how it could take their jobs and stuff like that. And it's essentially section two is just about your response to a statement, which you just learn by doing heaps and heaps and heaps of essays, essentially. And then section three is the hard section, which is where it's all on your physics, chemistry and bio. And that's what I focused most of my area around. And it's the area I did the best at because all I did was pretty much physics and chemistry revision. So how did you find the exam? It's a very difficult exam. Like I'm not going to try and butter it up too much, but it's very hard at exam, but it's something you can train yourself for. Like the most difficult part about the exam is that it's five and a half hours or about that. And it's very mentally challenging to stay alert for that long. So the biggest way I went around that was do a practice test every weekend for like three months. And then you get so used to 
it's, it's almost like a fitness. Like the first time you do the test, you're halfway through section three and you've got nothing left and you, you bomb out and you're no good. But then towards the end of it, you can sort of concentrate for longer and longer, which is the biggest struggle. So like training for a marathon. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You start <laughs> off with your little section ones and then you build up to your marathon pace at the end of it. So as you said, you took the financial risk as well. Did you have a plan B if you didn't get into medicine? Uh, well, I was still working at the time and like I still had a job. I actually didn't really let my employees know until I got into medicine that I was going to attack it. So I still would have definitely had a job. But to be honest, I didn't have a plan B. I was, this is what I was going to do and there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing that. So I would have reapplied, I would have thought. But I didn't didn't have to make that choice to have a plan B because I only applied once and I got in, so I was very fortunate. Now, how did you enter medicine? Through a specific pathway? Yeah, so I applied through the rural stream to Sydney. I didn't apply through GEMSIS. I didn't go to the other ones. I just went through to the Dubbo stream of Sydney Uni, which is very fortunate for me because obviously being from Dubbo, I'd been up there, I'd seen the campus before, I'd spoken to a few staff and that helped me with the process and also spoken to a few students who were actually in the course at the time here in Dubbo. So I was very fortunate in that regard. But yeah, so I applied through the rural stream, which means you have to do a personal reflection on like your ties to the rural communities and stuff like that, which was a good differentiator for me. And uh, it's a relatively new school, Dubbo, as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's where the first cohort through. So we're the guinea pigs in that sense, but it's all mirrored off the main course. So as there's clinical schools like there are in Sydney, we're just a clinical school here in Dubbo, except that we do, instead of doing our practice on main campus, we do our practice here. So it's essentially exactly the same course, but we're just out here. And what are the advantages of that? Well, I think they're endless, to be honest. Like, <laughs> Dubbo's a great town. I well, think. Give, us, give us a proceed list. <laughs> well, I think you get such good access to a country hospital. Like, the hospital here services all of Western New South Wales, essentially, besides a few that go to Broken Hill. Like, it's the major trauma. It's about to get a new cath lab. It's a very big hospital, and it, you see all sorts of unreal things that you wouldn't see in Sydney. Like what sort of thing? Oh, like motorbike accidents, snake bites, stuff like I'm very green in the whole scenario still, but like from what I've been told and what I've seen so far, there's just a lot more access to all different diseases and things like that. And we also get a lot more chronic stuff out here as well because healthcare around here hasn't been that great in the last, say, 50 years. There are a lot of patients that have got really severe stuff going on so trying to manage them is quite tricky whereas compared if you're in the big smoke then they would have had access to that healthcare the whole time and it wouldn't be as bad and is there much indigenous healthcare in dubbo yeah that's sort of probably the biggest advantage for us being out here is access to that and access to culture like we get we've got two or three staff at the rural school of health that teaches constantly on how to interact and the best way to do things and i think if we're going to improve Indigenous health, then you have to train doctors in the country because that's where the the biggest outcomes are needed in terms of, I know close the gaps, not the right term, but that's essentially what needs to happen. What is it about medicine that you could never prepare for? I think personally, imposter syndrome was a big thing for me to come to terms with and just the amount of work we have to do, the course load. 
So you've got workload, but also you say imposter syndrome. How does that affect you? So imposter syndrome for me was I've always come from an environment where I've always been in the in the top percentiles. And I think that's the same with all those who came into medicine. Like it's very hard to get into the course and it's just takes you a little while to come to terms with the facts that you might not be the best at, and it's quite hard to come to terms with that because you feel like you don't belong anymore because you're not as smart as you used to be. And how do you work to overcome that? Um, most of it's in your head, to be honest. Before our first exams, for example, we all thought that we didn't deserve to be here and that we all weren't smart enough. And then you do your first exams and you realise, oh, I actually did it all right. You know, it's all, <laughs> it's all a bit made up. But, yeah, it's just sort of becoming more confident in yourself and not being as self-conscious about those things. Sure. Well, just finally, if I'm a uh, radiographer considering going into medicine, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give me before I started on my journey? I'd say in your first few weeks, in your first few months, expect to be challenged, expect to be uncomfortable because the course load and the way they try and sculpt you into thinking is a completely foreign thing for you. But it's not something to be feared. It's just a new way of thinking and a new challenge. And I think personally within, after four months of being in medicine, I can see the rewards of what that's done for me so far. I'm a more confident person now. And I think, although it's very challenging, the rewards definitely outweigh the work you have to do. And in forward this time, I'm, I'm keen to see the person I am. What are those rewards? You learn to be more confident in terms of Four months ago, I wouldn't have been keen to do this podcast, but I think like with the amount of feedback and self-reflection you have to do on yourself, you become very comfortable being uncomfortable and very comfortable to deal with constructive criticism and stuff like that and makes you self-reflect and not rest on your laurels at all. Like you can never know enough and you're never too good, if you know what I mean. Will Anderson, first-year Sydney University medical student, Dubbo Hospital. We trust you've enjoyed this episode of Destination Medicine, a joint project of the regional training hubs. The hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program.